You're listening to another episode of the Zag episode here. Excited to be joined by an inaugural NLC LA Engaged fellow, Christina Gomez, here from the 2017 class. She's moved out of California, which is a bummer, but why she's moved is not a bummer. We're going to talk about it and a bunch of other things. Thanks for listening to this episode. Let's get to it. All right, Christina, give people the scoop where you currently live, where are you residing as you do this podcast? I am in Austin, Texas. And how long have you been there now officially? Maybe about five weeks. <laughs> okay. And you're staying in staying in that part of Texas or there's more more moves planned within the state? Yeah, there's a lot more moves planned. I move, I travel around the um, the state a lot for work, but my home base is the Rio Grande Valley. I'm from a, a, a not so little town now called Mission, Texas. Nice. And we'll talk a little bit more about how NLC is setting up shop there, thanks to you. But I wanted to ask, you know, we just wrapped the the third NLC LA Engage cohort a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what do you remember about the inaugural cohort? What sticks out to you from that experience? I remember, and I talk about this a lot to everybody that I talk to NLC about, how incredibly impressive the room was. You know, the the people sitting around the table were all so accomplished, and it was it just felt like such an honor to be at that table and listen to people talk about their work and the things that they were passionate about. That's what I remember most. And then what do you see potentially as the the need for NLC in the southern part of Texas where you're, you're starting to get that off the ground? What's the main motivating factor and why do you think it'll work? Well, I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley and I just remember feeling like the area, the students, the leaders were under-resourced when it came to leadership development. And so when I moved back home from California, I did a survey of the activists and people involved in the community, and they sort of felt the same way. And so we thought, well, why don't we bring NLC to the Rio Grande Valley and service that need, right? Fill that void. And then you all had your first kind of board experience weekend uh, last weekend. So who was in the room with you and what kind of things did you all cover? Right. So we did our first expansion institute weekend last weekend, and it was incredible. Um, The people in the room were all the founding board members, and they represent a lot of different sectors of work in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, You know, some of them were activists and business people and entrepreneurs and worked in politics and government and education and the environment. So a pretty broad spectrum. We want to um, recruit a few more people to the founding board, but it's a good start so far. And then what's your short pitch for what NLC is? I feel like in some ways it's still a little bit tricky to describe to somebody who has no background on it. So what have you found has been working for you? Right. So the way I've been talking to people about it is as a leadership development program for uh, progressive leaning people, you know, and, and then I, and then that's sort of like, they understand that, but I, I, What I talk about is the incredible network that NLC has, the success rate of people who have gone on to do incredible things, including win, you know, a political office, but start businesses, start nonprofits and that sort of thing. And I really just try to hone in on the network and the skills that NLC brings to help these progressive leaders in the Rio Grande Valley achieve what they want to achieve next. And again, the coalition building locally and nationally. So what happens from here? What happens next? Is there more training weekends or you start fundraising? What's the next steps? Yeah, so we'll have uh, two more training weekends, one in May and one in June. 
Um, and we'll start organizing the first cohort of fellows that um, will start in um, in 20. So we're going to recruit and select uh, this year so we can have an inaugural co- cohort in January 2020. So I just really feel like 2020 is going to be a little bit crazy in Texas. So I want to make sure that we put some um, progressive people together in advance of um, of the elections. With what happened in the midterms and especially stuff that happened with Beto, what should people know about the state of politics and, and people's feelings right now in in the state itself of Texas? Are people uh, as fired up as they were in November of last year or things waned a little bit and people are kind of waiting and seeing? Like, wh- How would you describe what's going on? Well, I think the most important thing for everybody to understand is that Texas is the biggest battleground state. <laughs> we, you know, uh, the once Texas turns blue and we can do it this cycle, there will never be another Republican president in the United States. It's just not electorally possible. So um, that's what we're really focused on. And I would say that enthusiasm hasn't waned. We're still going. You know, we're not waiting for um, 20 to. Um, get out the to you know register voters and to do our activist work and to hold our leaders accountable. There's still a lot that's happening at, right now in Austin and across the state, um, especially as the legislators are in session and they will be for the next couple of weeks. So there's a lot going on. People are excited. There's a lot of um, strategizing on what to do next. There's um, a corn and war room that has been organized by the Texas Democratic Party. There's just a lot that's already happening. Nice. Uh, we, we come back. We'll ask a little bit more about politics in Southern Texas, and also what's in the future for the NLC folks down there. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Zag. We'll be right back. So, in the Southern part of Texas, what are the main political issues that are driving people's attention? Is it immigration? Is it other things? What do you hear most often? Well, I think what what people think of most and what the Rio Grande Valley especially gets the most attention for is the, you know, the immigration debate. Um, being border communities, we have an incredible relationship with Mexico uh, in terms of like this binational relationship that's family based and business based. Right. So what happens in the valley and what happens in, in Mexico, they're really intertwined and those are complicated relationships. And so I think that. The attention that the Valley gets um, is sometimes a little more negative than it needs to be because that's a great place to grow up. It's super safe. You know, everybody, um, you know, everybody that I know down there is fighting really hard to make sure that we get positive attention, not just this negative tension that's happening, that's happening right now. Um, In addition to the immigration um, situation in nationally and how it impacts the border, you know, Texas has a really bad, um, uh, healthcare situation. And in the Rio Grande Valley, it's even worse. Um, there are, I think, the most number of uninsured families and people in the Rio Grande Valley and a really high poverty rate. So when you put those two together, it's just not a great situation for uh, Texans and, and people living in South Texas. And then in addition to that, of course, the education situation isn't all that great either. We have some of the lowest performing districts and underfunded schools. And so when you think about public education and what that's doing for communities, um, impoverished communities and communities in the Valley. It's just, there's a lot that's stacked against these communities and, um, and these progressive leaders that we're pulling together for NLC have active roles in improving all of those 
aspects of what it means to grow up in South Texas. Do you have a sense of all the 500 or so people running for the Dem nomination? Are there (laughs) two or three that have stood out to you when you're talking to folks in the southern part of Texas? Who is kind of rising to the top so far? I think people are interested um, in a lot of different candidates. I don't know that anyone has really come to any any firm com- conclusion. We are, of course, very excited about um, the two Texas candidates, Beto O'Rourke and Julian Castro. Watching them closely, every you know every Texan loves a Texas born a Texas born <laughs> son, so that's great. Um, but every but uh, you know in terms of like choosing their favorite candidates right now, I would say that everybody's being you know, pretty thoughtful in looking at what's happening and, and getting to know the candidates and, and trying to uh, get up to speed on all of that and, and pick their favorites a little bit later. We're still, nobody's taking sides yet. <laughs> I like it. And for your actual day-to-day real-life job, what kind of things are you doing? For my day-to-day real-life job, I'm the finance director for the Texas Democratic Party. So thinking about how the party represents Democrats, progressives, the people of of Texas, whether they vote Democrat or not, how we're how we're um, making sure that Democratic and progressive policies are making their way through the legislature and and impacting the lives of people. And in Texas, where you know we're a Republican controlled state right now, although very close to flipping, um, that can be a little bit difficult. In addition to that, you know we're raising money for what happens in nineteen and what happens in twenty, so we can. Um, so we can address our four pillars, you know, our four priorities, and that's flipping the house, unseating John Cornyn, making sure that candidates and services from the grassroots up get um, get training and 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 the best data and the best communications to run their campaigns efficiently and effectively, um, and then voter protection and electorate expansion. There's a lot that the Repu- the Republicans are doing here in Texas to oppress the vote, and the Texas Democratic Party is actively working. Um, to deactivate some of those efforts. So there's a lot that the Texas Democratic Party is doing that we're trying to spread the word about and raise money about and um, build coalitions around. So that's what I do every day. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Last thing, what ways can people support the NLC efforts that you're doing in Southern Texas? What ways can they chip in, send you people? What kind of things would you want folks to do to make sure everything goes smoothly as you get off the ground? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the 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 best thing they can do, of course, as a fundraiser, I will say is send a little money our way <laughs> to make sure that we can get off the ground successfully. But if you have folks in the Rio Grande Valley that you know would benefit from this program, get in touch with us and um, and and help us connect with them either as a founding board member or as somebody we keep on the radar radar for the inaugural inaugural cohort N20. Um, and there are, I think are just like plenty of opportunities for partnership. There's a lot that the NLC chapter that we're building down there wants to do. So really just send us any ideas. And Eric, I want to tell you that when we initially started talking about organizing the NLC Rio Grande Valley chapter, it sort of came natural that we would call it NLC RGV mm. for the Rio Grande Valley. But we've sort of changed the name already. When, oh, the, when the founding board came together this last weekend, we started talking about um, you know, what this organization represents for the community. And we came to NLC Frontera, 
because <laughs> frontera, as you know, as the Spanish word for border, and I think it's a really it's a really good representation of who NLC in the Rio Grande Valley is culturally and um, geographically. And also, we're expanding a little bit into Webb County, so it's not just the Rio Grande Valley and the Rio Grande Valley counties. We're doing a little bit wider span across the border. So we're NLC Frontera. I love it. Uh, Reach out if you want to chip in some money. We'll put some links in the description for it. And of course, if you know anyone as well, uh, hit us up and we'll make sure the info gets to the right place. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can check out all past episodes in the usual spots, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places. There's a lot of great episodes featuring amazing progressives like Christina, all over the country, and of course here in LA. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.